Welcome to the Forger Podcast, where I talk with cottage food entrepreneurs about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I'm talking with Peishi Felt and Steve Bivens. They live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and sell kettle corn and flavored popcorn with their business, Peishi's Popcorn. In this episode, you will hear some pretty amazing stories, like when their popcorn machine died at the worst possible time, or when they spent $5,000 on a truck that they couldn't even use. They started this business back in 2018 in hopes of replacing Peishi's corporate job, and after two years of selling under the cottage food law, they now have invested in a large kettle corn machine and make their popcorn live at events. From Steve's years of experience as a farmer's market manager to amassing tons of research about their industry, this couple knows just about everything there is to know about making and selling popcorn. They share a ton of insights along the way, and even if you don't want to sell popcorn, I think you'll learn a lot from them. So with that, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, guys. Nice to have you here. Thank Thank you. you. We're glad to be here. So I usually start by asking my podcast guests to tell how they got started on their journey. But this time I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to jump into the middle of your story. Can you tell me about the time when your popcorn maker died? <laughs> <laughs> we we had a big event uh, for a Cinco de Mayo. When was that? 2018? 2019. 2019. So we were still doing cottage food at the time. So we're pre-bagging the popcorn and we planned to make like 200 bags or something for the event. So I started that morning popping and we had just a countertop popcorn machine that was like a 16 ounce or something. So I think Pacey went to the store to get more coconut oil. And so I just started what we had and I probably did close to 50 bags by the time she had backed and then she took over with on the popcorn machine like she normally did and she put in a batch and it spun and spun and spun and spun and didn't pop so the heating element had gone out in it and mind you it's the middle of the day on like a friday afternoon and (laughs) um before a big you know holiday weekend in our neighborhood and we had no idea where we were going to try and get a new popper and so we furiously get online thinking maybe we can go rent a tabletop unit. There was just no way that was going to happen. And so we looked at each other, swore a lot, stomped <laughs> around the house. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm just going to do it on the stove. Yeah, I We're just, just going to do it on the stove. I just grabbed our whirly pop. A and, genius instrument. And out of the ca- cabinet because we hadn't used it in forever because we had this counter, you know, big countertop unit. And I just dropped it on the stove and I said, start popping. <laughs> I was like, Pacey started popping on in the whirly pop, basically a bag at a time. And, and our goal was 200 bags and we were only at 50. So by the this. end of it, David, we were, well, for certain, I was covered head to toe pretty much in coconut oil from the spitting of the, uh, the oil off the top of the whirly pop. And Momo, our friend, did pitch it a little bit. She kind of went in and and popped maybe like 15, 20 bags worth, but we'd made it happen. We did work into the evening to get it finished. We did not pop quite 200 bags. I think we did just shy of that. Oh, it was about 150 or so. Yeah. yeah because the, the machine actually, we pretty much broke it. The, the whirly pop, the 
turning element the screw on the top <laughs> made out of plastic gear was made out of plastic and it, it kind of melted during that onslaught it's not meant for commercial use so but we made it happen and the next day we showed up at the event and we were prepared and we did not sell out completely but we sold almost all of it and it, it turned out to be a success yeah i mean that's a crazy story uh, but steve I, I read something you wrote and you said we will always look back to that day our worst day as our best day can you elaborate on that? We realized that we didn't have to do it just one way. It was a sort of an, a mind expanding moment where it taught us that we really can do something, even though in the first moment when we realized the machine was broken, our heart sunk into our shoes, but we quickly were elated again by the fact that we, we had a second option. And you know what? Even if we wouldn't have had the whirly pop there, I was almost going to say whirly gig, David, because <laughs> I we call it that by accident all the time. But we would have figured out another way to do it. Had I needed to bring out a kettle and with just a, a manual lid, on it, I would have done it that way. So I guess we just realized, you know, we're going to do this. And no matter what, we're going to go in, we're going to finish this. We're going to meet our obligation. And regardless of what stands in front of us, we're not going to stop. So that was our, that was why it was our best day. And, you know, we, we bought new burnt, you know, new element, new pot for the tabletop unit, which we kept using, which now is in the garage and we haven't let go of it yet. <laughs> it's back up and we got, we got a brand new whirly pot, which sits on top of the, the fridge at all times. And we, we still use it. We still use it. If, if like a customer just wants a couple of bags of popcorn, you know, we don't fire up the huge kettle just to do that, but we can do that on the stove in no time at all and still get the job done. So we still use it. So can you take me back to the beginning of this uh, journey? I think it was 2018 when you got started. How did this whole thing get going? Well, it actually started in 2017. If we want to be super specific, we didn't really start selling our popcorn until 2018. Uh, Steve was on a social media site called Anchor, and he had come across something called 30 Things to Do Before You Die. And one of the things was, you know, what what do you actually want to do for a living? I work in the financial services industry and, you know, it pays the bills, but it doesn't really energize me. And so I started thinking about what I would really like to do to make a living. And I thought, gosh, I think I want to have a popcorn company. And, you know, the first time I brought it up, Steve was like, really, why? You know, that just seems kind of random. You know, like, where did that come from? Because we'd never discussed it before this ever. And um, I started to tell him why I liked making popcorn for people. It's associated with only positive memories. And one of the things that I really realized when I was doing this questionnaire was I'd like to do something that makes people happy, other people, because that makes me happy, right? So it's like a it's like a win-win. And when I think back through my life, I like working with food. So that's a that's a big deal. I also like eating food. Don't get me wrong, that's a big deal too. <laughs> but I think about positive times in my life. I think about holidays, I think about festivals, I think about you know school carnivals. Mo I think movies. about movies, you know, going to the theater as a kid. Oh. I think about it right now, it's kind of giving me chills. And it was always at like Halloween or Christmas or Thanksgiving you know, really fun times and going, you know, further into the future when my, my kids were little, I would work at their school carnivals and I was, I would, I would always run the popcorn machine and there was always a line. 
people always would queue up for popcorn and they're always happy when you handed it to them. No one's ever mad at you, David, when you hand them a bag of popcorn, they say, thank you. They hand you their money. They walk away happy. And the only time you really see them again is when they come by to say, Oh my God, I love your popcorn or Hey, can I buy more? And I'm like, you know, I think I'd really like to do this for a living because I don't see a downside here. So we talked about it. I brought it up to some friends and a friend of mine named Jesse. And I told her about this idea of potentially starting a, a little popcorn company. And she said, patients, just do it. Why are you even stopping thinking about this? You have a great idea. And that started the ball rolling. So that was all well before 2018. The fall of 2017, right around, I guess it was right around Halloween, we started a GoFundMe campaign and I think we made just under $2,000. We bought the Carnival King popcorn machine and some other supplies, a little bit of popcorn, and we just started. This this gets into how we got into cottage food because the original idea was she wanted a popcorn cart. Yes. And I was like, well, that'd be awesome. So we started looking into that and then... You know, we realized our car could, because it's a hybrid, you couldn't put a towing package on it. And so we looked at different vehicles <laughs> and they were like, what about we, we put it on the back of a golf cart. And then we realized St. Paul when it was, this is, I'm really condensing this story, but yes. St. Paul, we couldn't do a golf cart on the street. And so then we were looking at other stuff and then we found the Polaris gems, which are the electric, you know, neighborhood vehicles. And so we're like, what about one of these? They're, they're legal on the streets. And, and so then we found one. It's like, has like a flatbed on the back of it. It's like a little truck. Yeah. It's like a little flatbed truck that Polaris makes. And the, the Minnesota Vikings had two of them for sale. We ended up buying both of them and they were like, okay, we'll build the, the thing on the back of the truck. Right. And it'll be kind of like an open food truck deal. Well, the Department of Ag didn't really like that plan because uh, it didn't fit, you know, it didn't fit in their little, you know, bureaucratic boxes so they can tick them off. And so we were kind of stuck and we were coming right up to the opening of the farmer's markets, you know, season. And so then we, we had, this was another one of those moments where we were like, we were ready to give up. Yeah. I mean, we were like, how are we going to do this? And then, and out at the time I was Still, I was the manager of our neighborhood farmer's market, which is another part of the story. But I should have thought of cottage food <laughs> because we had several cottage food vendors um, at the market already. And, and I knew all about it. And then, but my boss, she was like, why don't you just do this cottage food? And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Right. <laughs> well, because David, we originally were going to try and toss each specific bag uh, for each client, each, each customer special. So if you would walk up to the popcorn cart, you know, this is the initial dream. Uh, you could say, Hey, Pesci, I want you to make me a uh, easy, cheesy au gratin and I want a large size or whatever. And I would toss it for you right there. Freshly made popcorn, homemade seasonings, tossed fresh for you, popped, put in a bag and I hand it to you. And that's what the department of agriculture was like, you know, your, your plan here isn't going to work. And literally, it was like a month and a half right before the farmer's market opened. At the same time, my dad, who was going to help us build this, had a stroke. And so all of these things, and he's okay now, but all of these things happened at the same time. We were like, oh my God, maybe the universe is telling us it's just never going to work. And, you know, 
I tend to go a little dark and evil at these times. Steve's like, all right, we can't give up. We can't give up. And his boss, Molly, who's also a friend of ours, did say to him and to me, she's like, you know, you, you really should just try and do this somehow. Cottage foods, maybe you can prepackage it and bring it in, in, in bags and just not pop it live. And, and maybe you just work on that for a year and you can do it in future different. And so we got off the phone with her and kind of sat in our room here and looked at each other and got all sad and depressed again. And, and then we started thinking about, you know what, maybe we can do it. Maybe we can do it. And this was the, the spring of 2018 and we did do it. We had to go buy new bags and David, we had to figure out how we were going to put together a new paradigm again. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, the department of department of agriculture did us a favor because had they actually mm-hmm. approved the, the method we were going to originally pop our popcorn in, it would have been epic fail because there would have been no way we could actually serve people in any kind of decent time frame or even keep it clean and you know we were noobs we had no idea yeah i mean the 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 countertop model which the one that failed the next year in the kitchen was what we were going to put on the back of the cart and that was one of the problems it wasn't nsf and whatever but it was a huge favor in the end because that machine would have never kept up with demand at an event and we realized that only by doing cottage food because as we were popping, I was actually keeping time. I was like, how much time are we spending it? How many bags did we produce? And I'm not really a numbers guy. No, but he's a total process engineer. And honestly, yeah. I'm so thankful that he's kept all this information because I, so I hate I, that. By stuff. the end of the <laughs> by the end of the first season, I knew exactly how many how many bags we could produce in an hour and all that. And that's in the kitchen with a controlled environment and not people lined up waiting for the bags. And I'm like, we would never be able to do this on this machine. So then we knew we needed. When do we think the paradigm? Some, yeah. a, a different machine. And, and the only logical conclusion was a, a large kettle corn machine. Like you see at huge events. Right. But we didn't really go there right away. No, Initially, we couldn't really afford it the first, that second year. So we kept doing cottage food through 2019. Uh, with the idea that eventually we were going to get the kettle corn machine and do it live, but that would be a whole nother license and not cottage food. As well as giant expense. Right. right. So for 2018, what we did is every Saturday, and we really did every Saturday that year at our local farmer's market, which was luckily only two blocks from our house, we would pop the corn the night before on a Friday. And we would bag it all up. And usually we made anywhere from 50 to 75 bags on average. We'd bring them to the market. And sometimes we would sell a lot of them or most of them. Sometimes we didn't sell as much. And then whatever we wouldn't sell, Steve would go to the local brewery on Saturday nights while I took a rest here at home. He would go out and have a few beers with people and try and sell the rest. And what ended up happening through that process, David, was... We got a good name out there in our neighborhood because we had dual exposure, not only at the brewery, but also at this lovely little nexus of the farmer's market where many people would gather who otherwise we would not have met. And during that time, we also, and again, this was Steve's brainchild, so total and complete kudos to him for thinking about this because it was genius. He put together a sign-up sheet for an email list oh, yeah. and we created a, a frequent flyer card, which we called our Viper card, the very important popcorn eaters registry. That's what the acronym <laughs> stands for. You know, if you buy 10 bags, you get one free. 
And we still do that today. Mm-hmm. And it was very popular with people and they signed up and we got to capture their email addresses. And through that, we were able to cultivate a holiday popcorn list. And we would email out to people when we were going to do other events. And when we were going to do our holiday popcorn, which is our caramel corn and our chocolate covered caramel pretzel corn. So with this email list, is the incentive for them joining just so they can get the uh, buy 10 and get one free? Or do they have to join the email list to get that deal? They do. It's the only way to get that deal. The thing that built it the fastest that first year in 2018 was the incentive to get the caramel corn at Christmas time in, in the holidays because her caramel corn is, is off the charts. It's pretty epic, dude. Seriously. It's the best on the planet. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. And I forget how good it is until we make it every year. And then I'm like, oh my God, get this stuff away from me. I, you cannot stop eating it. And so what we did was towards the end of the farmer's market season, we made some here at the house and we took some samples. And gave them away for to, free. For free, free samples. And the first time or two, I was like, they were like, can we buy some now? I was like, nope. I said, I was like, you can't even order it yet. <laughs> I said, the only way you're going to even get a chance to order it is to sign up on the email list. That was the bulk of our list was probably that first year, really people that wanted the caramel corn after they tasted it. So let's say, you know, someone's convinced, okay, I'm going to start in my home kitchen. I'm going to use my cottage food law. What are their options for actually getting started in terms of equipment? I mean, really, you need bags to put your popcorn in. You need some kind of delivery device. We purchased bags on a couple of different sites. I think initially we bought bakery bags on Webster on store. Yeah, we, we, we've moved away from those. Right. I mean, for a while we were just using straight up relock bags too, you know, like Ziploc kind of bags mm-hmm. with a little sticker on the front. And, um, and you need some kind of device to make your popcorn, like the Whirly Pop or a countertop unit. A Whirly Pop is about... It's under $40, even on Amazon um, to start with. And then of course you need your ingredients. We decided to go all organic for our footprint and fully gluten-free. So those are two things that we wanted to make sure that we maintain throughout all of our business practices. And we started that way and we are still that way. So if somebody didn't want to adhere to those two rules, you know, they could certainly find cheaper popcorn elsewhere, like at Costco oh, yeah, or you know, online. So get your materials, figure out what kind of oils you want to use. We use organic coconut oil, which is very expensive. You know, a lot of people use different kinds of oils. They just need to figure out and do a little bit of research on what they want to deliver to the public. Um, I would say that, you know, somewhat it depends on what flavors of popcorn they're planning to do it, it initially we didn't do kettle corn uh, and that wasn't really a thing we were planning to do we did we had a, a butter flavor which we did with organic ghee we call we call the classic and then we had two we've got two or three cheese flavors and then we we came up with some other ones too and all those were kind of like dry seasonings we would use we pop the popcorn and then we would use a spray gun with a different oils, like sometimes sunflower oil or avocado oil or olive oil. And we'd spray that on the popcorn to help adhere the dry seasonings. So that was our process. So you need, you know, it depends on what you're going to do. Now, if you're going to do kettle corn, it's really. It's, it's pretty, pretty inexpensive. Yeah, but it's next to impossible to do as a cottage food because uh, a whirly pop, you can make kettle corn in it. but 
it'll get ruined pretty quick. You can make like two batches and then you got to clean it out and let it cool down a little bit. So to make any volume on that way would be almost impossible. We didn't really start doing the kettle corn until last fall, but I mean, you can do it with, with smaller kettles. You know, we did on top of a turkey burner with a kettle that's like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how many quarts it is, probably like 40 or 50 quarts or something, but it's, it's not optimal. <laughs> so we, we quickly went and said, all right, we're just going to spring the money for, you know, the big kettle corn machine and, and we could still pop plain popcorn in it. So we can do that and, and toss it with cheese and all that kind of stuff. Right. But if you were to start, let's just say with a little whirly pop and you reinvest, you know, some profit into a tabletop model, I mean, for a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think now they're probably right under $400. You know, if you invest some of your profit into buying one, you could scale it up fairly quickly. Maybe within a few months if you stuck with it. So you started with the uh, Whirly Pop and then you quickly moved to a countertop model and that's like $400. What comes next after that? Really? I mean, on sites like KTOM or I think we got it from KTOM, but they, they have, if you look for it's like a caramel kettle. And the kettle is probably, I want to say it's like 40, 50 quarts or something. It's pretty good size. And they're about $250. And I actually said, I think it'll fit on the turkey fryer. So I, I mean, it actually did. So we had you know, one of those burners for a turkey fryer. Those you can get for under 100 bucks. We tried it out on there. It actually worked. We made kettle corn on there. It wasn't optimum because, you know, the pot's kind of slipping around. and It wasn't great from a process standpoint because right. you can't eliminate the unpopped kernels because we didn't have a sifting table so for us going to the big kettle corn rig was the best step but like he said you could potentially go to a mid-size you would need something to dump it into that had like sifting holes so you could eliminate you know the unpopped kernels and stuff really the next is a kettle corn machine like you know there are some out there that are only like 80 quarts and they're a little cheaper. Maybe $1,000 cheaper for the rig. That's uh, more than that. It's probably more like around $3,000. And you could get an eight, like an 80-quart kettle corn popper. We decided we we're going to make the leap at that point. We just went to the 160-quart kettle corn machine and with this big sifting table. And that's, you know, that's in the range of like 5000 or so. And let's be clear, we did not have that money to spend like on hand. <sighs> so I dipped into my 401k and took a loan to do that. So this was a significant investment for us. And we were like, okay, this is time for us to go big or stay home. I, I did see, Steve, you wrote that you were growing tired of popping in the kitchen and pre-bagging everything and that this business had become a bit of a drudge. What was it like at that time of your business? You know, like Pacey said at the beginning, why she wanted to do popcorn. It was about, you know, it was really about that experience of popping popcorn and handing fresh popcorn to people. And that's really energizing. Right. It's very energizing. Whereas, you know, doing it in the kitchen, you know, we get to look at each other for two or three hours. (laughs) And (laughs) we play disco music. That helped. But, you know, after a while, it's you get the feeling that you're working in a factory kind of, I mean, it's a very tiny factory. (laughs) 
in our kitchen. Also, popcorn expands when you pop it. So you start off with sort of a small container of popcorn. But once you pop it and you have all these bags made, half of a room is filled. (laughs) (laughs) It literally explodes. So (laughs) Yeah, with bins, plastic bins full. Filled with bags of popcorn. Uh, And it smells amazing. I mean, you walk in the house and it, it smells fabulous. But, you know, your house quickly becomes overrun with your product. So as you were scaling their, your business, where were you learning? Were there any good resources that you found to learn about how to uh, turn this into a business? Two words, Greg Sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the, po- the, the cattle corn maestro on the mountain. Uh, Steve researched that man's videos and Boy, did we learn a lot from that. And Steve, I'm going to let you talk about Greg Sweet's videos. If you want to learn about, especially scaling up the popcorn business or kettle corn business, you just go to YouTube and type in kettle corn. And and what will come up is Greg Sweet's videos. Greg Sweet passed uh, Parkinson's, I think. Yeah, a few uh, years back. About three or four years ago. And the world is a sadder place. Yeah, he was was only in his 40s, I think, when when he died. But his family still makes and sells kettle corn equipment. But just an amazing resource. His videos alone. Well, they're entertaining, number one. Yeah, because this is a guy who absolutely loved making popcorn. I mean, like screaming out loud making popcorn. He just loved it. And and it's infectious. So just watching his videos, sometimes when I'm like kind of down, I'll watch his videos. And I'm like, oh, you know, making popcorn is pretty awesome. Um, he's great. Also... You know, on the business part of vending, food vending in general is learnhotdogs.com is Ben Wilson. Yes. His website alone has tons of stuff on food vending as a business and, and basically get almost all of it for free. I, I actually wrote an article, another article for him on how to do popcorn as cottage food. So really we dove in to and when i say we i mean steve um he's really the genius behind all the research he dove in to really research the industry you know where for me it started off as a bit of like this romantic dream right with this image of a creator's wagon on a sunny day handing happy people lovely you know intoxicatingly delicious smelling popcorn and then he actually started to really help make it a reality this is a true team effort and without him diving in to do all of that, we wouldn't be where we are. But looking at all the resources he just mentioned. <laughs> if you get into kettle corn, you will end up with Greg Sweet because everyone doing it knows who he is. Yeah, he's the godfather. I mean, he's yeah. the guy who made it. Yeah, and I did see that you, you wrote that article on Learn Hot Dogs, and it's a great article. I will link to that in the show notes. You were doing the cottage food thing for two years, I think, before you stepped up with the, you know, into the kind of commercial side of things, producing popcorn live at events. But you said that you guys were burning out by the end of the first season because you're making so much popcorn at home. So what did you do to kind of improve things in the second season, even though you hadn't changed your equipment? So, you know, I have a full-time job. I work anywhere from 50, sometimes 60 hours a week. You know, in 2018, I went to an office five days a week. So that was exhausting. Um, and then Saturday morning, you know, Friday night, we pop in until 9, 10 o'clock. And then we're up at 5 a.m. 
getting ready to go to the farmer's market. And we do that until noon. And again, it's hot. It's on asphalt. And, you know, it's exhausting. And so that's why I got burned out. And so we were doing it every week. Every single week. Yeah, because we were like, we're just going to go in. You know, we went we went right in and we dove right in, which was extremely important for that first season. But the second season we backed off and I only went twice a month to the farmer's market instead of every single week. So if you were only doing two markets per month instead of about four, does that mean that your profits got cut in half in your second season? No, super actually, good question. I, I I think it was important for us to do that the first year. Yes, because we weren't established. But by the end of the first season, Pacey's popcorn was a very popular attraction at the West Side Farms, and people knew us. We had a following already, and so I thought, you know, going into the second one, I was like, well, you know, she was like, I really don't want to go every week. And I was like, I don't think we should either. And I said, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I said, what what I think will happen, this was my guess beforehand, was that it will create an amount of scarcity on those weeks when we're not there. And I said, I think we'll sell more each time, maybe not double, but more because one, they already, you know, a lot of them already knew it was good. They, They knew what they liked. And by not being there every week, then they couldn't just say, well, I don't know how you get it this Saturday because they'll be here next Saturday anyway, right? And so they'll load up and that's what happened. I mean, we didn't double sales each time, but I would say we probably went up by 50%. We made more money in 2019 than we did in 2018. Yeah, we did. It, it certainly, the sales went up each time we were there and- we increased our price. We increased the price of one bag to $6 from five. And then I was like, let's give them a two for 10. And the two for 10. Genius. Absolutely works. <laughs> that was a great move because we sold more product and we actually made more money because of it. Because yeah. they would buy two bags usually instead of one. Yeah, especially the, the return customers because they already knew it was good. They, they already loved it. And they're like, oh, I can get two for 10. To jump ahead, we actually, with the kettle corn, we, we went with a small and a large bag with basically the same kind of deal. But then by the end of the season, I was like, let's go back to just small bags with a gallon size, $6, two for 10. And uh, we were there a couple last week and, and sales were better. Mm-hmm. Um, People because, like that paradigm. Because they didn't have to commit $10 for one flavor. On the topic of pricing, you know, you're, you charged five and then $6 for one bag, but you're using all organic ingredients, as you've said, you know, organic corn, organic coconut oil, which is expensive. If you were using non-organic ingredients, how much do you think you would be able to charge for the popcorn? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say because we don't. I, I, mean, don't. I don't know that I would ever sell it for less than $4 a bag. Yeah, probably not. And I will say this about pricing. Again, I'm in the financial services industry and we're not wealthy by any stretch. We're very much middle American income, but don't give away your product is my big message. You are putting all of this time and effort into it. So even if uh, someone using non-organic products is looking at trying to start off don't sell yourself short. That would be a big message that I would give out. That's why I said, gosh, I would never start less than $4 a bag in any market, really. Yeah. Uh, because you have to put all the time and energy into it. You have to move your equipment back and forth. And again, it's your business. 
It's not just something, I mean, unless you really are doing it for fun, in which case, just give it away. Well, even still, uh, <laughs> I, I still, I, you know, look, we give away lots of popcorn. We really do. I mean, because nothing sells popcorn like popcorn. For instance, we were just at the Irish Fair in Minnesota. Huge event. In the past, they used to have something like 100,000 people. This year, they had like 15,000, but it was still a big event. You know, if you if you price yourself too low, you just start a race to the bottom for everybody else. People make the mistake. A lot of businesses make the mistake of trying to be the cheapest. You know, when we started out, I was like, I do not want to be the cheapest. I, I, I wanted to be the best popcorn that we can make within reason, right? I mean, you know, I'm sure we could probably source some of these ingredients from you know Zanzibar or somewhere and, and pay three times as much, but would it make it three times better? Not necessarily. So you, you know, we still try to find the best deal on coconut oil, which is actually Costco, by the way, and, and nobody beats it. I've looked all over the planet for the best price on, co- on organic coconut oil. But yeah, don't, it's, you know, it's just a mistake to sell yourself short. Again, the big takeaway is this is your business. And if you eventually want to make it into something else, trying to do giant jumps in price later on as you do grow your business to help fund maybe your um, transition to a bigger business model is very shocking to your your clientele right. and your customer base. So you want to start off at a reasonable price point where you're making enough and they're getting a product they can afford and then doing small increases as you build your model is is probably the best way to do it. And again, it could be event specific. Like when we go to a big festival, it's always more expensive than it is like at a farmer's market because there's yeah. more fees involved for us. Yeah. I mean, that, that for, for instance, at Irish Fair, I mean, there's the, there's a big fee to get in as a vendor. And then there's percentage on the backside that they want off the top. I My advice really, you starting out, find, find your local farmer's market. And, and I, when I mean local, I mean, the smallest neighborhood one where it's the fees are cheap. I mean, we could go like downtown, the downtown market in St. Paul, but they're, you know, their fees are high. You know, you might, you probably make that back. I'm sure. But, but I mean, we're talking about the difference of maybe five times more expensive than our local market in our neighborhood right. for the year. And when, when we say, I, I want to say when we say price, you know, a $6 bag for us, that's now a full gallon of popcorn. You know, and so the price also depends on how big your bag is, right? You know, very few people balk at the price. I mean, there there are people that occasionally do, but they don't really want popcorn to start with. Like not even 1% of our uh, customer base has ever even made a comment about price. 1%. very rare. 1% maybe. In terms of the bags, you said earlier that you were using Ziploc bags inside of a paper bag to to package your popcorn. And I was wondering, is that actually cheaper than just buying the big tube kettle corn bags that no. you see at the no, fairs? Definitely not. No. no. It's I much mean, more expensive. It was definitely more expensive. We wanted a, a certain look. It was really about the packaging and we wanted a kind of classic look to it. So we wanted we went, to look like a, a bakery treat. Uh, right. with our sticker and our branding on it right. uh, that people would remember because again we were our our real thought here was that we were going to try and make a splash and make people remember us right and so we literally the first week we did it 
we didn't have the Ziploc inside. Very bad idea. Don't do it. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And here's why, because it doesn't keep as well that way, especially when you're uh, you're popping it ahead of time. Now, if you you were literally dumping it in the bag and they're going to eat it right then, fine. You know, it's just like in a movie theater, but not if they're going to take it home or if you're going to pop it, you know, if you're doing cottage food, you got to pre-bag it. You know, it, there were some of them, it's especially the classic, and that had a lot to do with the gear, the butter we were using it the first time. Was it, you know, some of it was a little chewy. Nobody wants chewy popcorn no, unless it, it's caramel. It's very susceptible to humidity. And so you need to encapsulate it in plastic. And, you know, we wanted to have a very green footprint. We have this little cute electric truck. Right. We use organic ingredients. We wanted to use compostable bags, but there just aren't any, or at least at the time, there weren't any available for what we needed. And so we were going to start off with just this wax paper bakery bag and that was fail. So the next week we decided to use Relox inside of the bakery bag. And a Relox is just an industry term for a Ziploc bag. I think the second week we actually bought the knockoff Ziploc bags from wherever grocery store or somewhere. But then we quickly found some through another supplier that were way cheaper but you have to buy them in bulk. Yeah, you said, you know, we bought like, I don't know, a thousand or more of them. Um, it would be cheaper to do the the two, you know, kettle corn bags. And really the best deal on those is a place called polybagllc.com. And they have the best deal on them. Their website is from like 1997. <laughs> it's like basically non-functional. You can't do anything there except for find their phone number and then call them, which they're awesome people, very helpful. And they get them out to you, man. They don't mess around. If you make an order and it's going to be to you probably in the same week, that's certainly a way to do it. I mean, then you're looking at a cost of between seven and 10 cents a bag. So they're pretty cheap. You know, that's, that's just a plain bag with no label. You can get the ones that they have the pre kettle corn thing on, but we wanted our own branding. So we just get them plain and we, we have stickers printed from print runner. I think that I designed and, and we get them printed and we just slap a sticker on them. Once we fill them, the bag and sticker together, it's under 20 cents, which is not, you know, you could do it cheaper, but we wanted labels on our bags so that people got to know the brand and the flight and knew what flavor they had and fell in love with the flavor and knew the name of the flavor. And we spent a lot of time on the names, taglines and stuff. Yeah. I did want to ask about the, the flavor names and just flavors in general. You know, you talked a little bit about what flavors you started with. If somebody was trying to start a cottage food popcorn business, are there flavors you think, that they need to focus on first and kind of side tangent to that is how did you uh, actually come up with the names for your flavors? When I first started thinking about the popcorn business and what I wanted to do, I initially began thinking about cheese popcorn because it's seriously, it's awesome, right? Who doesn't like cheese popcorn? Um, So I thought, okay, what kind of flavors can I make? And I thought about the flavors I like. So I came up with a a taco cheese flavor because I like taco chip flavors, like the taco Dorito flavor or something similar to that from the seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, because we're, we're old David. And then I thought (laughs) just a regular kind of cheese flavor, maybe a little smoky flavor in it. And as I was thinking about the recipes to put these flavors together, I think about food that I make at home 
And how do I translate like my own turkey taco recipe into a flavor for popcorn? And you're like, turkey tacos and popcorn? Come on, lady, what the heck? Uh, but seriously, that was the evolution of that process. And the same was true with the, what we call our easy cheesy au gratin. It's my cheesy potato flavorings translated into the powdered ingredients that create our popcorn with that same name. So what I did is I tried to incorporate some of the recipe names that I make on an everyday basis into the popcorn flavors. And that's where they came from. The one difference I would say is Irby Flurby, which kind of came to me in a dream. How dumb does that sound? But that's actually what happened. That's the nutritional yeast based flavor. And I was like, some people call that hippie dust. Some people call it nooch. Some people call it like brewer's yeast. Either way you look at it, it's a little bit weird. You know, it's not a normal thing that you might see on popcorn that you'd get at a movie theater, but it's delicious. And I was like, hippie dust. Okay. I need to come up with a name that's like similar to that. I was like herbs and herby flurby because flurby sounds kind of goofy and hippie and fun. <laughs> and so that's how that one came up. And, you know, that's a similar process to how we name the rest of our products. Like we, we have our chocolate covered caramel pretzel corn that we make at Christmas time we had a heck of a time, time trying to figure out what to call that. Like at first we were like, oh, let's call it Christmas crack. Well, if you look on the internet, there's a billion things called Christmas crack that have nothing to do with popcorn. And we wanted to set ourselves apart. So we labored, I don't know, maybe for hours uh, on days. one. Yeah. In the middle of summer, right. Trying to think of a Christmas popcorn name for that coming year. And we came up with December decadence because we we're like, well, we don't want it to be holiday specific. So we came up with that, but it, we take time to think about it. Steve uh, came up with the name for our kettle corn, just our regular kettle corn with sugar, salt, oil, and popcorn. And he came up with old fangled kettle corn. It's old fangled. So instead of new fangled something, it's old fangled kettle corn, which is sort of like it's old timey, but it's a new spin on it because it's organic. We definitely put a lot of time into it because we have found that customers, they remember the names. They become fans of certain brand names that we have. And that's yeah. a big deal because that means they remember us and our product and they come back for more. Right. And that's, that's what we want. My advice is to stand out, right? I mean, it's like Seth Godin calls a purple cow, right? I mean, be a purple cow, not a brown cow. There's plenty of brown cows out there. So if you stand out, people are more likely to remember you. And, and, you know, we try to do that in just about everything we do, right? I mean, from how we make the popcorn, you know, the ingredients themselves in the process, all the way down to the bag and how, you know, how we make it live now. I mean, you know, at Irish Fair, I started every time she cranked up that kettle, man, I started yelling out kettle corn time, you know, and, and, and we, then the crew would start screaming by the end of the weekend, the vendors next to us were screaming after I said, <laughs> and, and I was like, what am I going to say? You know, and they'd start, you know, so have fun with it is a big one because I'm like, if it ain't fun, why do it? Yeah. It's popcorn. So it can, it should be fun. You know, I tell people it better be fun for your customer. It ain't gotta be fun for you necessarily all the time, but it should be fun, especially doing popcorn. It should be fun for the customer. It's a fun food. You don't have to eat popcorn. Right, you can completely right. live your whole life without it. I don't recommend that. No. Because uh, it's fun. We I recommend think. you eat it every day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did see you wrote, every bag we sell is really to a child, either in years or in heart. And along those lines, I did want to ask about Pesci's Popcorn Pals. Oh, yeah. Steve thought of this, and it was a genius idea, yet another one. That was the second season, too. Yep, that was the second season. And, you know, the first season, we realized that a lot of kids, right, they're very attracted to the bright colors and the and, oh, and the popcorn, because every who doesn't like popcorn? And we wanted to engage them on a different level and make them feel special. So he created just these little, like, you know, like, hi, my name is so-and-so right. sticker. But he put a, a header on it, says, you're popcorn pal. And then I would ask them their name and I would write their name on the sticker and they got to wear it. And oh my God, did that energize not only them, but their parents were like, oh, that's the sweetest thing. And from a capitalistic standpoint, they bought more popcorn, brother. They (laughs) bought more popcorn. So it was a great device and not just to make more money. It was really to engage Mm -hmm. the community because we have some serious fans who are children. Well, it goes to, I think, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, you know, I believe that there's a serious power in remembering people's names. Yes. Right. And so we like to learn our customers' names. And we we always try to have a name tag on ourselves so they learn ours. I mean, we have one guy, one little guy, man, Henry. Henry. And and and, <laughs> and Henry would show up. I mean, I don't know how old he was, like eight or nine, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe nine or ten. Yeah. And I know the second year when we didn't, we weren't there every week. I was there because I was the manager. And there were times when Pacey wasn't. And he would come around the corner with his mom and, and his siblings. And he was looking for Pacey's popcorn. And he'd come around and he he would just, his face would drop. <laughs> When he saw it, he's like, popcorn lady's not here, you know? And I was like, she'll be here next week. <laughs> you know, I was like, it'll be all right. Trust me, Henry, we'll be back. So, that, you know, that it's a big, it's a little tiny thing. Didn't cost us hardly right. any I mean, money. You know, I, I did, you know, I got the printable, you know, name tag sheets or whatever. And, and patient would write their name on it and stick it on their chest. And, and they just thought it was the biggest deal you know and then, and it's then so after, after a couple of weeks the same kids would come by and say can i have a sticker can i have a sticker uh-huh. that also created not only a sense of community a sense of connectedness but fans and some of them kids man you, you can't buy sales like that sales people like them i mean no because they will rush they out their, into they the get crowd. their bag and, and they'll go around and say, you should get pacey's popcorn i mean they'll go all the way through the market telling everybody they need to get popcorn yes they did. can i give out free samples and for it you works. today Oh, works. absolutely. So, you know, that's why we give out samples. It's like people, are like, I don't want to give away, you know, the product. And it's like, give, it's food, give it man. away. People want to know what it tastes like. Everyone, and this is something Greg Sweet talked about. It's like every kernel you give away is a seed for your business. And, and he was the master of giving away samples. I mean, he would go out in front of his tent with a bag of kettle corn and just literally tell people, can't go by unless you have some and just dump it in their hands. I mean, didn't ask, would you like a sample? Ne- He's like, never, ever ask, tell them. <laughs> and so I do this at Irish Fair, me and Momo, who was there helping us, were out there with our little sample containers. And I literally was like, have some kettle corn and just dump it in their hands up and down my competitor, well, not competitors, the other food vendors lines. And uh, it worked. People came back later and like, oh my God, a sample. That was the deal. He's like, you should just keep doing that. I was like, don't worry. <laughs> We're going to keep doing it. 
And we gave out tons of popcorn at Irish Fair. What's the most you've ever sold at an event? It would be there. I mean, we... It, right, we're not cottage food anymore, yeah. so... I'd, cottage I'd, food would have been that, that Cinco de Mayo with, with, with the Whirly Pop. Yes, the, the gauntlet, we, the stovetop we gauntlet. We sold yeah. like 119 bags of the 150 or something that we made. Uh, so, you know, it was probably around $600 or so. The, as, as cottage food, that was definitely the record. And that was like a six-hour event. Right. Irish Fair, well, we popped 300 pounds of popcorn and gross around 5,000, something like that. Three days. 30 hours. <laughs> we was, were exhausted it was, it was at mar- the end. It was a marathon. <laughs> uh, we had a team of people that helped us, too. It was a marathon that felt like a sprint. It was an excellent learning opportunity. We did oh, not go negative. Yeah, we um, made money. Even COVID, after COVID made it harder. And so crowds were lower. Right. Crowds were lower, but it was still an excellent event. And so, as you can see from 2019, doing a one day event for six hours, making $600 in pre pop popcorn, to 2021, doing a three day event and making $5,000 in sales is a giant jump. You said that at the beginning, Pacey asked, do you think it could make enough money eventually to retire on? You're now a few years into this. What's the answer? <laughs> We're trying to make that happen yes. right now, David. We're hoping the answer yeah. is yes. Yes, question mark. Um, yeah, it, it probably can. You know, we've had lots of discussions about this recently, which is why we're laughing. What we've gotten into lately, this summer, just a little bit, kind of basically getting our toes in it, is catering. Like we've done, we did popcorn for like a popcorn bar at a bat mitzvah for a wedding, and then one for a bat mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got an actual live popping event on Tuesday coming up. That was catered and prepaid. Yeah, prepaid. So all I got to do is show up and pop popcorn and hand it out. And so doing that, the catering part, I think will probably be a really big part of what we do in the future. So that plus farmer's markets, plus events, and then our holiday popcorn, we're hoping will be our future paradigm and enough money for us to, for me to not have to have the corporate job and to take a few months in winter to not be in Minnesota. (laughs) because <laughs> it's cold and snowy and rainy right well that's so much rainy uh, icy sorry that's what i meant cold snowy and icy yeah so if you're going to big events big fairs i know it costs a lot of money to get into those things but if you're making five thousand plus dollars at an event and when covid you know ends then you'll probably be making more because there are going to be more people out at these events you said you're still doing the farmer's markets why would you still do the smaller events was almost no risk. Right. And it's a steady, we know how much we're going to make usually. Yeah. It, it's a range. Typically it's anywhere from three to 400 a week. And for four hours on a Saturday, that's nice grocery money. And so if we do that, in addition to some events, at least a couple of times a month, I mean, that's just, that's more steady income than a bigger event. Cause you know, weather, big, the one contingent factor, well, there's a couple of contingent factors with bigger events, weather plays a part mm-hmm. and, you know, COVID now has just thrown a wrench into a lot of things too. So you're not sure about attendance, but weather is probably the biggest one. Cause if you get rained out at a big event, you've planned for large sales. And let's mm-hmm. say you're relying upon that for a big chunk of your annual income and you don't make it, 
you are going to have to supplement with some other things. And so we want to make sure that we have a nice um, redundancy and robustness, if you will, to our business plan so that we have the steady eddy gigs like a farmer's market, the catering, the holiday stuff, as well as the big events. Right. I mean, for us, the West Side Farmer's Market, it's our home. I mean, it's we, it literally feels like home when they're there. Right. Um, and, and it's so easy to make money there because people know us. They just come and buy it. Right. It's, it's just, our home base. It's like breathing. It's yeah. easy now. <laughs> it is where we established, you know, our existing customer base. Some of the couple of catering gigs that we've gotten lately are from there. come right. through referrals from people, other vendors and, right. and customers from the market. Our recommendation would be that if you started a place like that, unless something catastrophically terrible happens where you don't ever want to go back there, to keep that because that's a nice way to continue to reseed uh, future flowers for your business garden, as it were. And like I said, it's just always a nice idea to have a couple of different ways to ensure that you have that money so that if one thing fails, you have the, the backup. So Steve, have you ever... Do you think that you would have been as successful as you have been if you had not formerly been the manager of the farmer's market and seen all the vendors over the years? No, (laughs) I learned a whole lot. I mean, before I took that job, I didn't know none about running a farmer's market. Or being a vendor. Or being a vendor, really. But being there for six years watching you know, not only other vendors, but us as we started there a couple, three or four years ago was it definitely played a huge role in learning what works and what doesn't. I would like to just speak to this whole, you know, when you first start as cottage food, find one of these little markets, find that little community who will help you grow your business. And collectively, you'll be more powerful than you would be ever on your own. Yeah. And collaborate with other vendors. Yep. Yeah, for sure. We we do this all the time. Mm-hmm. We'll tra- we trade, you know, here's some popcorn. We'll, tra- we'll trade for, you know, beignets yes, or you cookies. Know, cookies, whatever. We have live music at the market most of the time and almost always take a bag of popcorn down there as tip for musicians. Like give them some popcorn because then they talk about it sometimes over the microphone. And, you know, it's hard to buy that kind of advertising. Yeah. And we, and we do it occasionally, you know, I just show up at the market and I'll have extra popcorn. I, I did this a couple of weeks ago and I just went in there and I gave a bag to one of our key volunteers as like, just pass it, let everybody have some, you know, volunteers or whoever you want. It's basically family. It's not basically, it is, it is family. And we treat it that way and they treat us that way. So you wrote that the dream has evolved as many times as there have been months. <laughs> did I write did I write that? That, that was good, honey. That was good. I don't even remember writing that. Do you see any end to, to this dream? Uh, end to I guess when we're dead. Yeah, um, when we're dead it might die. Uh, unless my son uh, wants to take it over. Right. I mean, we I mean, I guess, I mean, it might come a point where we physically can't do it anymore down the road, but uh now we, I mean, we'd love it. I mean, trust me, there, I mean, there are times still Friday night at Irish fair. It was, it wasn't, it was definitely way slower than what we were expecting. It was Friday the 13th. However, it uh, was. I just remembered that today. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, maybe that was it. It was okay, but it was like, wow, we're really going to have to ramp it up Saturday and Sunday to make it. I mean, we were, we were very dep- sad. Depressed. Yes. 
is a good word that night, very dejected and down and the same thing the next morning. And we got down there and we're already exhausted. It was just me and Pace at that point. And she was like, you know, starting to go down the drain emotionally. I was like, I was like, <laughs> stop. He's like, because if you go down the toilet, I'm coming with you. And then we ain't going to do nothing. Right? It's like, it's not going to work. So we somehow, both of us have to change our attitude. Right. And that's a giant piece of it. And that's pull like, ourselves out of the yeah. toilet here and, and get back to just get the work. It's like the same. It was a similar moment to, oh, mm-hmm. my God, the machine died yes. on the day before Cinco. It was absolutely just like that. You and have to move past the hurdles, even though it's painful. And we're like, why are we even doing this? <laughs> oh, it's never going to work. You know, <laughs> and it turned out great. <laughs> and well, You know, I was like, I don't have any control over the weather, which was hot. It was sunny, at least. I don't have control of the weather. I don't have control over how many people show up to this event. The only thing I can do is make popcorn. And, and control my attitude. And my attitude, hopefully. Theoretically, I can, anyway. And and then I was like, I can put popcorn in people's mouths. And so that, that was my goal that day. I was like, I'm going to put pop, I'm going to give popcorn to every single person that comes by here if I can't. And I just did it over and over and over. It was exhausting. But I had fun with it too. You know, it was like, I'm the popcorn troll. You can't get by, you know, whatever. You have some popcorn for breakfast or, you know, second breakfast or whatever. And just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And it worked. In the end, we sold popcorn. Yep. People came back. They were like, oh my God, it was so good. I have to have a back. I can control that. Find the energy somewhere. And I was, you know, I'm an old guy. I was exhausted. My back was hurting. Everything was hurting. And I'm sweating, you know, my sweat was sweating, I think, at one point. But you just, uh, you kind of have to just suck it up and keep going or quit, right? Yeah, and but I'm not if much you quit, of a quitter. You know, see, that's just it. It's like, David, you ask a good question. Do we want to keep doing this? Yes. Wholeheartedly, yes, yes, yes. Because a bad day selling popcorn is significantly better than a great day in corporate America. It's a fact. And we believe it. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we will do this. And eventually it will be what sustains us until we are fully on social security and taking pension money. And maybe even into that. I, I think oh. we want to do this oh, as, far, yeah. as long as we can. But on the other side of it, it is a business. So you have to make time for it. You have to show up every day. You have to do your work, your due diligence. You have to pay your bills. You know, you have to get out there and, and make a plan. And then you have to follow up with it. You have to get online to the boring stuff, like figure out, you know, your taxes and you have to do spreadsheets and you have to like (laughs) do your accounting and and figure out your square reader and your POS system. And Um, website and social media. (laughs) This is all stuff that I do all the time. It's a lot of stuff because when you're starting out, you're it. I mean, we can't afford to pay somebody to do all that stuff. And it's stuff you got to do. I mean, you ain't on Facebook. You don't exist yep. as a business. I mean, seriously, you know, and, and there's obviously mostly hate relationship with Facebook uh, these days, but it's like Amazon. It's the big dog, man. And you can't avoid it. If you want to play on the playground, you got to play with Facebook and Instagram. At least there's lots of stuff that's got to be done. But in the end of the day, that's our job. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what we do. Well, it's really cool to hear how your business has grown over just a few short years. And if people want to learn more about you or find you, how can they get in touch? Pacey's popcorn.com. 
and uh and facebook and same thing tasty's popcorn facebook instagram or, yeah follow us on instagram yeah yep. um yeah i mean those are the three big ones well thank you guys so much for coming on the show and sharing with us today it's been a pleasure oh, our thanks. pleasure thank you so much absolutely thanks that wraps up another episode of the forger podcast for more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 44. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. A review is the best way to support the show and will help others find it as well. And finally, if you're thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.